Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being, reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Server Member Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Das, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. This podcast is a manifestation of our interconnected lives, and we wish to keep it free at all costs, if you can say that. So, we are dependent on the generosity of you, our listeners. So, please go to mindpodnetwork.com slash kd, and either use the donate button, or just bookmark the Amazon portal. We receive a small percentage of however much you pay for whatever you bought. Nothing extra for you, but a tangible contribution, if small, for us. You could also sign up for a free trial with the voluminous audible.com. We get something out of that, too. We thank you for the support and allowing us to continue presenting Krishnadas's excellent talks. I was just in Florida with you. It was a great experience. Um... And I just had a question about, when you say chanting is a practice, is it 
would it be for me a time to that I have to set aside or before I even knew what I was doing I was just singing along in my car to mm -hmm. uh, your songs yeah you know I received benefits from it mm -hmm. and, sure and now I'm learning actually what goes on yeah um, so I guess would that be a practice if I'm just in my car for 45 minutes of going to work or? every repetition of the name is like planting a seed whether you do it while you're driving, while you're taking a crap, while you're watching TV, you're still repeating the name, and it's going to bring fruit sooner or later. It has to. However, just like when you plant seeds, they grow better when they're planted in certain ways. If you just throw them into the street, some of them might grow, some of them might not, or they'll wait on the side of the road till they get till it rains and they get some. You know, it all depends how you plant them, how they grow. So there's no question that anytime you find yourself repeating the names, repeating these mantras, it's a good thing. However, at times you can set, a lot, set aside a little bit of time, five minutes, ten minutes a day, where you really face the wind, you know, where you really sit down and okay, go, okay, hit me. Because the minute you sit down, you, you, your stuff just like, goes like this, you know? And you're sitting there, you know, and you get, it's like horror. Everything is going crazy in your head. That's very good. If you can bear that, it's a wonderful thing. Just do five minutes. Keep singing in your car. Sing, sing anytime. It's all good. There's no, it's not like God only listens when you're sitting cross-legged. God's in there hearing everything all the time. So there's no issue about that. Eventually, you want to be able to give more of yourself to the listening. You know, eventually you'll be able to... Everything will fall away except the chant. And you'll be really... It'll just be going on and you'll be deep into it and there won't be any distractions. You don't want that to happen while you're driving. Unless you have a doctor in the family. Thank you know you. what I mean? That's all. Otherwise, it's all good. All good. Anytime, it's good. It's a Maharaji used to say, Ram Nam Karnese Subpura Hojata, which in Hindi means from repeating the names of God, these names, everything is brought to, to fullness. It's a ripening process. You know, you put some fruit in the sun. You don't watch it all the time. Ah, five minutes have gone by. I wonder if it's ready to eat now. Six minutes have gone by. Wow, not much change. You know, you can go do something else and come back. It's still ripening in the sun. So through the repetition of these names, our whole lives are ripened. You know, all our aspirations, all the things we want, the things we long for in our heart of hearts, those things start to come towards us and manifest in our lives. And the things that prevent that from happening start to go away because you're shifting the way you live every day and the way you live in your life. You're starting to shift. What's important to you is shifting. And you make decisions based on that. Everything starts to change. But it's not like you know what's going on. You never know what's going on. Why should this be different than anything else? Right? We never know anything, but the ripening process is going on all the time.
Is there a specific mantra that you can sing to help someone who is dying to leave the body, to help that person? Um, essentially, all the mantras are the same. If someone's a Christian, you don't want to be going Namashivaya. Right? That'll make them very nervous. If somebody's a Shaivite, you don't want to go Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. You want to give them what, what makes them feel good. So if somebody's, if you know the person well and you know what they're into, anything you do like that can help, you know. She's actually Jewish, but she loves Om Namah Shivaya. Mm -hmm. Om Namah Shalomna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shema, Shema Namah Shivaya. Namah Shema. All mantras are the same. They all come from the same place, go back to the same place. It's just some people like to go this way or that way, you know, it doesn't make much difference really. But the idea of mantra, anything like that, is to help somebody extricate themselves from fear and the anxiety and, the, and all the stuff that comes with being very ill and, and dying. So anything like that is good. I don't think there's one, you know, there's... In every religion, there are certain prayers to do, they say, you know, which help direct the soul here and there. But, you know, I don't know what they are. I just do Ram, whatever, you know, that's, you know. And it's mainly, more than anything, it's the love and attention and caring that you aim towards that person and share with that person that helps them. Whatever the form of the words out of your mouth is, you know, secondary. Did you say she was a Shivite? She's... She's Jewish? Oh, okay. So there is one for Shivites. Oh. That are dying, so. Uh-huh. The Shema is prayer. It repeated in Hebrew is supposed to be ideal for people dying. I mean Hebrew. I mean Jewish. Hi. Uh, you, you mentioned before that you don't live in the city right now, uh, but we all do, and I think you did before at one point, too. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking a lot about how your environment affects your practice mm. and what it's like for us living in the city and how that affects our practice. And if from your experiences, uh, there's anything that really helps you with your practice in the city environment. The stuff that really helps you in your practice are the horns... You know, it's nice to think that you could go away to a quiet place and be happy forever, you know? It doesn't work that way, does it, you know? So it's nice to do practice in the real world because that's what you're dealing with all the time. Uh, it's also good to go away to a quiet place or to a retreat for a period of time where you can, you know, do some intense practice and kind of get more comfortable with, with letting go, letting go, letting go, and learning about the practice and going through stuff, then you bring that back to the city and you lose it, right? But, and it's for a long time, it's, when I used to come back from India, I would be able to stay in the States for a certain period of time and then I would have to drag my ass back to India, like, you know, emergency medical treatment, you know? But after, somewhere along the line, that stopped happening. I don't really know when, but it took a lot of years. Because, in, for instance, in India, you know, especially in the old days, they didn't know much about Western culture, about the West. So they didn't ask us about things. You know, they, they talked to us from the place they knew. 
So they would see that we were there wearing holy clothes and with all these, doing all these things. So this is what they talked to us about. They didn't know anything about our past or how we saw ourselves. So my crazy, depressed, neurotic self had nobody to talk to, you know? Except the other Westerners, when we spent a lot of time reinforcing each other's depression as best we could. But the Indian people, they didn't, you know, they, they thought we were great saints, you know, because we had left the land of everything to come to the land of nothing in terms of the physical plane. And they couldn't understand that. We had to be saints or crazy. So you get to, this part of you just kind of like goes to sleep after a while and wakes up when you come back to America because that's who, how we treat, that's who talks here and that's who we talk to. So when you start feeling very good over there, because that part of you doesn't, you know, it's like asleep. Then you come back and it starts to wake up. And then when it wakes up, life is horrible again, you go back. So that was going on for a long, long time, many, many years. Somewhere after like the, maybe the hundredth trip to India, that's how stubborn I am. It kind of, I just noticed it was kind of okay, all the same. It didn't, I didn't crash the same way I used to crash. So it's part of it. It's, that's the way it works. It's like breathing in and out. You go into it, you come out of it. You go into it, you come out of it. And over the, the cycles, they change us. You can't hold on to any one state of mind. You know, I'm going to hold on to this peace. It's already gone because of the fear involved in losing it. It's gone already. So you get used to that and you stop clenching up, you know, and then everything's cool. It's only the clenching that makes everything hurt. And just like this, everything's fine. So you do practice wherever your karma has you situated. Very, it's big, that's a, a very subtle statement, actually. We all want to be somebody else. We always think it'll be better somewhere else. And we do this to ourselves all the time, and as a result, we don't deal with here very much. But here is where we are, right now. This is your life, as it is. It may always be just like this. All you have to do is find out what this is. You don't have to change it. You don't have to hate it. You don't have to push it away. Be in it, fully. There won't be any other place to be after a while, and you'll be happy. But we're all, we all want to be somebody else. Something's wrong with us. You know, we may have six toes. and We've got to wear these shoes all the time. We can never go to the beach. Life is horrible. We all, everybody has something, you know? So you get used to that, and you live with it. But it's always very good to, I, I mean, I used to go, love to go away to retreats, you know, and sit do sitting or some kind of meditation or more chanting for a weekend or a week or 10 days. And it shifts you. You may not ever know or be able to put two and two together and think, this is what changed me. This is, you may not even notice the change. But if you make the effort in that direction, change has to happen. There's no two ways about it. So you deal with what you can. If you find it's too much, then change. Make a change, you know. That takes a lot of work, too, figure out what to do, where to go, how to do. Sometimes it's easier to stay where you are and deal with the known, right? Rather than invite a whole, you know, you may move to a beautiful new house in the country, 
It's so sweet. There's, you know, there's birds and chipmunks and squirrels, and then you find that they're all living in your attic. <laughs> like me. So there's always something. So this space, BYS, it feels like Maharaji's here. And um, imagine that. <laughs> and he feels very, pre it feels like his presence is in a lot of people's lives here. How does, how does that happen? Like me, people here who are so far removed from Maharaji. And so we'll say that again. How does that happen that me being so far removed from him physically in life, mm -hmm. how does he know who I am and like, give me what I need, and how does he have such a powerful presence in my life? What's going on there? If somebody's sitting on top of a mountain, looking down into the valley, you can see all the different roads going all the different directions. If you're down on that road and through a forest, you can't see anything except what's right in front of you. But somebody who's on the top of the mountain can see very clearly in all directions and see all the people traveling in all the directions. It's not... It's not even a miracle. It's just the way it is. And for a great being like that, there's nothing is hidden anywhere in the whole universe. We are stuck in our little box. But they are not in that box. They are all around it, inside it, outside it, above it, below it, everywhere. Because they know themselves to be the essence of, our, of each one of us, that internal that inner being is a reflection of that one light and they've become that light so they're in everybody equally equally now depending on our karmic connections and our longing for connection and f longing to find uh, our way in the world depending on, on the intensity of that that's how much of this light you attract to yourself. Part of it is this life, part of it is previous lives, and part of it is grace, which comes, we don't know why. Maharaji said every million times, he says, whenever you think of me, I'm there. He said that, which means right now, we're all thinking of this Maharaji, we don't even know who he is. He's here, because we're thinking of him. You know, they say, you can't, you know how our thoughts come from our own lives, they come out of our lives. We're living, we do all this stuff, we have thoughts about it all. They say you can't manufacture the awareness or the thoughts of a great being. They actually come into your mind stream and manifest, and then we think about them. They're the ones doing it. So we think we're doing it because we think that we are who we think we are. And that's, you know, complete insanity. I remember I, there was a period where I was dream, living in the temple, I mean, no, living in the nearby town and coming to the temple every day. And I, I go home every day and I go to sleep and all night long I dream about Maharaji. And I get up in the morning and go to the temple and there he was, all day long I'd be with him. Then I go home and dream and finally I said, Maharaji, when I dream about you, are you there? 
And he said, yes. I said, no, no, like, you know, at night when I'm dreaming and I'm seeing you in the dream, do you see me? He said, yes. No, 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 I mean, that moment at night when I'm seeing you then, are you seeing me then at that moment? Yes! We drove him out of his mind. He used to go, oh, these Westerners, he just like this. So that's, yeah, I mean, you, you don't, you, you got to understand. It's all true. It's all true. Everything, it's all true. Everybody is God. Everybody is going to be just as happy as you want to be. You're going to have everything you want in life. Everything is actually going to turn out fantastically. That's the way it is. It may not be today. So what? You have to develop a little patience. That's called being on the path. Not driving yourself crazy is called being on the path. It's going to be fine. That's the way it is. It may take a while. A hundred million lives. Who cares? <laughs> you know that story about the... Uh, this guru had a, had a lot of disciples and... Uh, he, he was going to leave the body and he was going to pass on his thing to one of his disciples. So he calls one of his closest disciples and he said, I'm leaving the body and I'm going to pass my thing on. He said, um, you only have uh, three births left. I just want you to know that. And the guy goes, three births? Oh, shit. Oh, man, three births. I, I can't take it. I just can't take it. Well, come back later. Go. Then he calls somebody else in one of his rooms. He said, you know, I'm going to leave the body soon. I just want to tell you I love you very much. You, but you have like, you know, a thousand and eight births left until you can be enlightened. That goes, really? Only a thousand and eight? And he was enlightened immediately. It's all inside, you know. It's all what we do to ourselves with our minds. Time is, re time is, is, time is not real. You know, I mean, time is very elastic. When you're having a good time, it goes real quick. When you're screwed up, it seems to go very slowly. It's the same time. So these are all subjective states. Subjective states, what we do to ourselves or what, what we're going through due to our own stuff. It's not like we're sitting there hurting ourselves on purpose, but we go through all these subjective states due to our own karmas and due to our, our upbringing and due to the unprocessed stuff that we have inside of us. Nobody's doing to it anymore. I'm, one time a friend of mine who was a kind of a psychic astrologer looked at my chart and she said, said oh, you, know, said, you were parented very harshly, so you parent yourself harshly. And I went, right. I moved out of the house 20 years ago. Why did I bring them with me? You know, and it was true. I, I treated myself the way my parents treated me. It was one aspect of it. It was very interesting. When I saw that, I got really pissed off. And then I got over that and I started to slow down and try not to be so hard on myself. This is all what we do. We just do this all the time. And it's, norm it's natural for us to do this. This is what we're trained in this life to give ourselves a hard time 
turn ourselves off. Because everybody we knew growing up was turned off. There was no possibility of being turned on. And the few little people in our lives who weren't completely turned off were very big to us. They, they shine in our lives, at least in my life. From the point of view of a great being, everything is going to be all right. We just have to go through the process, through the motions of being alive and becoming a good human being. Just the problem is all we do is think about ourselves. All we do. All we do all day long. It's extraordinary. The only way to alleviate ourselves of that is to find a practice that we can do a little bit regularly over time. Because you can't think yourself out of a prison that's made of thought. Every thought is, is the prison itself. You may be studying philosophy and think you understand the universe. Complete bullshit. And it doesn't help you when somebody steps on your toe or crashes into your car. All that intellectual training is no use in those moments. The only thing that's use, useful is mind training or heart training, which is a practice you do regularly over time. Because it helps, it trains us to release the thoughts, release the emotions, release the storyline over and over again that we're caught in, that we're so identified with. Thank you for listening to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. We really appreciate your support and hope you'll continue that support by going to mindpodnetwork.com kd and clicking on the donate button or using our amazon.com portal for all of your purchases. Thank you. Namaste.